Rough year for your favorite NFL team? Join me, Danny Heifetz, along with Danny Kelly, Ben Solak, and Craig Krolbeck on the Ringer NFL Draft Show, where we talk about all things NFL Draft, and more importantly, how to fix your mediocre team. Check out the Ringer NFL Draft Show every Tuesday and Thursday. On April 3rd, the Walt Disney Company will be hosting its annual meeting of shareholders, and we need you all to vote for your board. It's important you vote only for Disney's 12 nominees using the white proxy card. Do not vote for the Tryon Group or Blackwell's nominees. Learn more at VoteDisney.com. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC Pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. It is Wednesday, March 8th. It's Oscar week. And if you're like me, you never win your office's stupid Oscar pool. Those damn short film categories. I'm not a huge gambler, but in recent years, I've also placed a few actual bets on the Oscars. Legally, of course, the major platforms, FanDuel, DraftKings, have odds. And I have this weird belief, probably foolish, the talking to people around Hollywood gives me a little leg up on the average Joe Blow and the odds makers that mostly use the prognosticator awards like the BAFTAs, the SAGs, the Golden Globes. I don't know if that's true. There's a whole industry of awards pundits that try to predict this stuff, and they're wrong a lot. But last year, Coda was a relatively good bet because if you were paying attention to the chatter in Hollywood, you could tell that there was momentum for that movie before it showed up on some of the precursor awards. Bill Simmons and Jimmy Kimmel talked about how they won money on CODA last year, too. There's a ton of media coverage of the Oscars this week. Who's going to win? Who's going to wear who? Whether Timothy Chalamet will wear a shirt. Who may or may not punch someone on stage. But this show is about the business, making money. So we're going right for the money line. How to bet on the Oscars and win. To answer that question, I asked Michael Lasker to come on the show. He's a talent manager, producer. He represents actors, writers, directors. And while he's not a huge gambler himself, he knows the odds very well, and he knows the races extremely well. He's paying very close attention to this stuff, what the smart bets are, maybe a couple long shots to take a chance on. So today, how to bet on the Oscars. From The Ringer and Puck, I'm Matt Bellany, and this is The Town. All right, we are here with Michael Lasker, who, in addition to being a very prolific talent manager and producer, is also a degenerate gambler. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if I'd say that. I've never even gambled on the Oscars. I'm just a, no, I'm no, an Oscar no. enthusiast. <laughs> he is an enthusiast. He is an enthusiast for the Oscars and knows how to look at these odds and evaluate what the best, uh, the best course of action is here. So let's talk, first of all, about why this is fun. Because for me, I always like situations where I feel like I have an inside track. You know, I don't know when I go to Vegas and I bet on the, you know, Dodgers or Mets to win the World Series. I have no idea. The bookmakers know better than I do for, you know, 99% of the time. But in this situation, I feel like, for better or worse, that talking to people and going to the events 
and seeing how the campaigns are positioning themselves, seeing how they're being perceived, I feel like I have an inside track. And do you feel that way? Well, I don't have the inside track you have, but I completely agree with you in the sense that I think what makes the Oscars special beyond many reasons, which we don't have enough time for me to list, is that it's not, you can't really predict it. You know, obviously there are there are movies that are surging and everything everywhere is winning everything, but none of these trade organizations, none of these guilds, and certainly not the Golden Globes, none of them in any way really correlate to the voting body of the Academy. So unlike, say, sports, which obviously the ringer spends all most of their time on, you can't you don't really know what it's like for like the Eagles to play the Giants three times in a season or or what you know what I mean. So that's why I think it's kind of fun. Like you never know what it's going to be until people actually vote. And I've always gone into the Oscars, especially being in the business. My friends that are in the academy, colleagues, clients, and so forth, they take it seriously. People really do try to watch the movies. It's easier than ever now with the portal. You can just watch yeah. it on your Apple TV. And I always say two things. Anybody who's nominated can win, and you never really know who's going to win on Sunday because there's no way to actually predict how the Academy is thinking based on all these precursor awards. So I think you're dead on, and we can get into kind of what we're hearing on the street. Yeah, I will. mean, there's a whole industry of prognosticators who purport to have the read on the Academy, and some of them are good. Nobody is always right. Many of them have good shows and bad shows when they're predicting stuff. And then there are the people like this guy, Ben Zosmer, who I worked with at Hollywood Reporter, who's like a, you know, baseball metrics guy who started using algorithms and math to predict the Oscars based on precursor awards uh, when he was at Harvard and has been doing it for about 10 years. He puts out a list that we'll go over. And then there are the professional bookmakers like FanDuel, DraftKings, that come up with their own odds. Uh, and those are all kind of in the mix. And I want to go through with you how to evaluate this stuff. Let's let's start with the professionals because they're the ones that purport to you know, know what's going on and that give you odds and where you can make money. And let's look at FanDuel to start. FanDuel has everything everywhere at the odds on favorite, minus 700 to win best picture. Yeah, I mean, look, I think it is the prohibitive. And by the way, full disclosure, Daniel's represented at Mosaic by my longtime colleague, oh, right. Josh Rudnick. The filmmakers are represented at your company, we're, but it has nothing to do with we're, this. We're rooting hard for them. Yeah, they obviously are the favorite because they've been winning all the Guild Awards. When I was thinking about this Oscar season, and I mentioned this to you when we first spoke, is that if you go back and you look at the last 25 years or so, the Academy is more in the era now of splitting picture and director, okay? So I know everybody loves numbers and stats here. In the 90s, picture director split one time. Shakespeare in Love wins picture, Spielberg wins director for Saving Private Ryan. In the 2000s, it happened three times. In the 2010s, it happened five times. And now in this new decade, we've had two Oscars. It's already happened once. So it's 50-50 for the decade. I'm not sure there's going to be a split because everything everywhere is just like surging the way it is. But I've talked to Academy members in the last week and just people in the business that think because of the preferential voting, which we should probably explain again for your listeners, mm -hmm. yep. that you could still see Top Gun sneak in, that you could see Daniels win director, win screenplay. You could see a lot of the people from the movie win acting. It might win three acting awards uh, with the way people are thinking. But, you know, the way the preferential ballot works Top Gun could be a lot of number twos and threes on those ballots and number ones. And we all know the Top Gun story. You don't have to rehash it here. You've covered it brilliantly. Like it was the movie of the year. I mean, it did save the industry, according to Steven Spielberg. Right. 
Top Gun, though, according to FanDuel, Top Gun is at plus 2,900. I mean, DraftKings has Top Gun at plus 1,600. I mean, these are that the bookmakers do not believe Top Gun has a chance. They're they're saying that because Top Gun, outside of adapted screenplay, doesn't have enough of the big ticket award nominee. You know, Lane's best actor. No, best yeah, director. no acting, no directing. But here's the thing: in the last 10, 15 years, a lot of movies have won Best Picture with few few nominations and few wins. Um, Argo and Coda. So that's another thing I've been looking at and noticing. Again, you go back to the 90s. I just I tried to go back to the 90s as kind of like, you know, you don't need to go back to the 70s to analyze this. In the 90s, you had these epics like English Patient, Shakespeare, excuse me, English Patient, uh, Schindler's List, uh, Dance of the Wolves, and Titanic. And these things were winning like 11 Oscars, nine Oscars, seven Oscars. In the last 25 years, you've you had Slumdog win eight Oscars in 2008, and you had Return of the King win 11 Oscars, 11 for 11, as Sean Fennessy pointed out on Twitter last weekend in 2003. Other than that, in the 2010s, the artist won five Oscars, and that was the most of any Best Picture winner in that decade. So even though I think Everything Everywhere might win like seven Oscars, we are in this era now where it's being the wealth is being spread around. And a Best Picture winner might more likely win four Oscars like Parasite did. That's why I think Top Gun could sneak in. Like, you know, also what Coda showed, as did Argo, both movies won Best Picture without a director nomination. So it is not impossible. Darren Miss Daisy did not have a director nomination, won Best Picture in 89. It's not out of the question for that to happen. And I also think what's interesting, you know, look, this is putting maybe too much thought into it, but we all work in this business. If Top Gun wins Best Picture, Tom Cruise finally gets his Oscar. Jerry Bruckheimer finally gets an Oscar. McQuarrie gets his second Oscar. And David Ellison, who I know came to Hollywood as like another rich person's kid, he's kind of proven himself to be a force in the business. Definitely. So there was a time with the producer who wins the best picture, you were also voting for that person. Like when Saul Zantz won his third producing Oscar for English patient, people were like, yeah, Saul Zantz is a legend who produced Cuckoo's Nest and Amadeus, which were his other two Oscars. So I think that factors in, you know, I mean, I'm obviously rooting for Daniels and I'd love to see them up there a million times. Yeah. I think the preferential ballot system really just throws the entire system out of whack because that that's why we're seeing such splits between director and picture, I think, because the entire reason for using the preferential ballot is to get this industry consensus where even if it's not your number one, if enough people put it number two or number three, it could sneak up there if these other movies fall out. And in the director race, it's just, okay, who do you think is the best director? And if you look at the odds here, FanDuel has Daniels at minus 1,800 for director. So FanDuel thinks... Daniels has a better chance of winning director than picture. And that I think is because of the preferential ballot. I think you're absolutely right. And another storyline that's happening on Sunday is Spielberg and Kate Blanchett each have the chance to win their third Oscar for, I mean, Spielberg has more than two Oscars because of producing, but he's only one director twice. I, I think Blanchett will lose because she's kind of like, again, for the ringer listeners, she's kind of like LeBron James. Anytime she plays, she could win, you know, and she's young and she's going to be nominated 10 more times. She's the Meryl Streep of this generation. Michelle Yao, who is amazing, completely worthy. I feel like that's been surging. And is she going to be back here next year? With Spielberg, you know, it'd be his third Oscar for directing. But I think because Spielberg is so vibrant and a very young 76, I do think there's a feeling of like he'll be nominated three more times. Huh. So it seemed at the beginning of the of the season, okay, we're coordinating Spielberg. And obviously it could, it could happen. 
But I, the Daniels, I mean, the DGA thing of all these precursors, that is the best precursor. It is the director's right guild. Most, the director's guild. It is right more often than all the other guilds. And the director's guild went with Daniels. They went, yes, yeah, they went with Daniels. Yeah, and I think, I think too- that is why they're, the odds are so much. But it's funny you mention best actress because Ben, with his algorithm based formula, he has Kate Blanchett at 52.9% to win. Whereas Michelle Yeoh is only at 26%. Yet you're saying the momentum in the industry is favoring Michelle Yeoh. And I agree with you. I think so. I mean, I did talk to an Academy voter yesterday who voted for Kate. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously Kate is unbelievable in tar and I love that movie. Um, but I do believe sometimes people look at this stuff like you're rewarding somebody more than the performance, you're rewarding them, you know, at this place in their in their you know career. I know. It's one of the, you know, not one of the big four, but I think with supporting actress, what's happened interestingly, right, is that an Angela Bassett should win every award. She's a genius and unbelievable. And what's left got to do with it, her first nomination. But I think there was a sense of like, this is career achievement. And now there's a new storyline that it's career achievement for Jamie Lee Curtis. But Jamie Lee Curtis is in the movie that everybody loves. I also think if you're looking for any long shot bet, because they are there are surprises, you can't rule out Stephanie Sue. I mean, she's amazing in that movie. She kind of blows everybody off the screen. And remember, if you're nominated, you have a shot. You can go back to all these famous, you know, Marissa Tomei winning, Anna Paquin winning, Olivia Coleman beating Glenn Close. Remember, that was just in 2018. Everybody said, oh, it's Glenn Close's career achievement. Right. But nobody really loved that movie. Can I jump in here with a question? Yeah, or even saw that movie. But yes, go ahead. (laughs) That too. Are, Are Oscar voters instructed to view these things objectively? in a vacuum or are they encouraged to kind of be, be affected by the kind of narratives going on? Oh, Craig, there are no rules there. I mean, listen, (laughs) they, they, they are encouraged to vote. They just want these people to vote. There are so many Academy voters who don't even bother to vote. They just feel they haven't seen enough movies. They're on set. They're wherever, you know, they just want, they, they, they don't care what comes into it. I mean, at Hollywood Reporter, we used to do these anonymous ballots um, I think they still do it, where we would interview a voter after they voted. And the reasons people come up with for why they vote for certain movies is absolutely insane. I worked <laughs> with this person on a 1978 television movie, and he was terrible. I'm never voting for that guy. Or this party was great. I really felt like they cared about the movie and cared about me as a voter, so I voted for the movie. Stupid reasons like that. So it's There's, an absolute crapshoot. It is a total crapshoot. And that's why it's so fascinating to see these odds. I mean, I'm looking at the DraftKing odds for Best Actress, and they have Michelle Yeoh as well. But then you look at um, at the THR guy at Ben Zosmer; he's got Kate Blanchett. So there's no, you know, there's no. But the other, the other reason I think that odds don't really work, frankly, in looking at this, like I always think uh, I'm from I'm from Oklahoma, right? And uh, OU plays Texas every year in this famous football game, you know, the college teams. And you'll watch the game, and they'll say, I don't know the exact stats. They'll say Texas has won 57 percent of the time. And I always think to myself, well, what does it matter what happened in 1983 versus 2023, right? But the truth is, in sports, those long term trends are predictive. My point is this. Michelle Yao has never competed against Kate Blanchett. There's no way to actually know. I yeah. applaud that guy for having his algorithm, but like, there's no way to know, especially because, like I said, there's no other body that's really that predictive because, you know, 100,000 people can vote, over 100,000 people in SAG 
can vote for SAGs. 2,100 people nominate for TV, 2,100 for movies. Uh, Golden Globes, we don't have to spend a minute on. That's not serious. Um, and so there's just really no way to know. Even the PGA, I mean, and I think the Hollywood Reporter, or, excuse me, Deadline wrote about it. The last movie that did what Everything Everywhere was doing was Brokeback, which did not win Best Picture. But a lot of people will in that moment chalk that up to homophobia. I mean, I don't know. Right. I, that was a weird year that Crash surged and ended up winning Best Picture. This episode is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Daylight Saving Time is back. Wait, wasn't that a movie from 2009? Okay. Anyway, I do love more hours of daylight. But if you're hiring, it really doesn't matter. Because even though it may feel as if your day is longer, it won't help you find qualified candidates any sooner. There's only one way to do that. ZipRecruiter. Once you post your job, ZipRecruiter sends it to 100 plus job sites and then uses smart technology to find people with the skills and experience to match the position. So spring forward with ZipRecruiter. Four out of five employers get a quality candidate within the first day. Try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash town. Tap the banner to learn more. I wonder your take on this. I feel there are certain categories that are a given. And I just wonder why shouldn't me, as someone who wants to make money on the Oscars, put all my money, empty my bank account, and put it all on Ki Hai Kwan to win Best Supporting Actor for Everything Everywhere. Well, because the odds are low, right? But if I bet enough money, I will win, and it's a sure thing. I said this to Craig earlier, and he said, yeah, spoken like someone who's never been completely crapped out on a surprise winner. Well, this is why, and this is why I think, I think it's been an incredible year for movies, and I think it's been a great Oscar season, and I feel like there's been four leading contenders the entire season and they've all taken like the baton at different times and it's been um everything everywhere uh banshees elvis um and top gun and the point being is there there's a lot of banshee love out there i talked to an academy voter yesterday who's voting for colin farrell that category is very tricky because it really is a three-way race so there could be a split vote right it's it's colin farrell it's austin butler and it's uh brendan Brendan Fraser. fraser Yeah, I I would vote, my pick would be Brendan Fraser for Sunday night. But my point being is, I mean, I thought Kiwi Kwan was incredible. But like, if they, I mean, obviously, if they open it up early in the show, as they often do with that category, and it's like Brendan Gleeson, well, you're going to know the Banshee's hive, you know, no offense to Sean Fennessy and the Babylon hive, but the Banshee hive is alive. Okay, but the other thing going for for Kiwi Kwan is that there are two Banshees nominated in that category, Brendan Gleason and Barry Keegan. So it just the, the odds maker that the, the odds guy has it at 78.9% for him. And the other, the, the FanDuel and DraftKings have it as a prohibitive favorite. I just wonder, like, would you recommend that I put all my money on that race and just yeah, call it a that's night? The, that's the one to put all of it on, where I guess even if like- the odds are low and I don't make that much money, if I bet enough, I will make money. Yes, you'll make money. That is. That's he's like the J.K. Simmons of this year, where J.K. won every award. Same exactly. With Spencer, yeah. Exactly. And I don't. I if I were running a a book, if like I were running a, a you know gambling house, I wouldn't even take odds on this race. I would not take your money because yeah. I know I w- I'm going to lose. That's right. And this is why the Oscars are hard to bet on, also because even though you don't know what anybody's thinking, there are all these precursor awards, so it's very hard to find long shots in the for the Oscars. All right. So let's. Let's answer that question. What is your long shot that you would put money on that you think might come in the money? 
Oh gosh. Um, you mentioned Stephanie. You mentioned Stephanie Sue. Do, do you Sue. don't think she she has a real chance though? Right. Six point six percent by the math. No. When if I look at the main categories, because I don't consider Top Gun a long shot. I mean, Top Gun to me, and I think Feinberg has Top Gun at maybe number three. I think Feinberg has everything everywhere. Then All Quiet on the Western Front, and then Top Gun. I want to say. Um, no, I think Stephanie Sue would be the long shot of the night. That could surprise people because, you know, best actress is a two-person race. We already know best actress is a three-person race. Like, you're not going to see Ruben Oslin win best director out of nowhere. There aren't a lot of long shots. I think best original song is interesting. There's all this Rihanna love because she was so incredible at the Super Bowl. But, like, Not To Not To is the only song that, like, people are really kind of aware of outside of the movies. Right. That's from the Indian, that's from the Indian movie RRR. Yes, which and it's an amazing song, and they're going to perform it on Sunday night. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I could give you a long shot. I feel like most of these races, you know, it's like original screenplay is Banshees versus Everything Everywhere. Um, editing is, you know, Top Gun versus Everything Everywhere. I mean, a lot of them are these two, you know, kind of two movie races. Um, I do think, you know, what will be interesting with original screenplay is if Banshees wins, Maybe that will just be, well, we want to give Martin McDonough something and then Daniels win director in picture. Because Daniels are eligible for three of the Oscars. Right. As is McDonough. And that's Um, been happening lately in the original screenplay race. It seems to be the place where, like, nope won. And uh, you you saw, sorry, not uh, get out won in that category. And uh, we saw... Uh, the Taika Waititi movie wins yes. only in that category. It seems to be like, oh, we love this movie. It's the original, most original movie of the year. We'll give it screenplay and then nothing else. Yeah, it's like when Usual Suspects won the Academy Award in 95. I mean, mm-hmm. Kevin Spacey also won for that movie as well, so actually won too. But you're absolutely right. It's Pulp Fiction. It's usually the the runner-up Best Picture nominee that's considered too weird to win Best Picture, <laughs> which is kind of what Get Out was. All right, so let's translate this into making money off this, though. So how, like, if you don't have a long shot. What is something like that you, a theory that you would bring into betting? Would you, would you just go all in on everything everywhere in all categories? And you're just, you're, you're going to win enough of them where you're going to be in the money here. Yeah. I actually think that would be a good bet is that because that's, again, the irony is that, you know, again, you're seeing movies, best picture winners, not win a lot of Oscars anymore. Everything everywhere could quietly win seven. You know, because it could win picture, director, screenplay, actress, supporting actress, supporting actress, and editing. I think editing is going to be a linchpin uh, thing in the sense that if, if everything wins, if everything ever wins editing, I think it's going to go on to win Best Picture. That award used to be the early award of the night that kind of told you what was going to win Best Picture. That's changed in the last 25 years. Interesting tidbit. In the 2010s, only one Best Picture winner also won Best Editing. Yeah, that rule is out the window now. Yeah. Right? But I, mean, I think for tonight, that, but for Sunday night, it's going to be Top Gun. People thought it would be Top Gun because movie's all editing, but everything everywhere, I mean, that movie is really all editing, you know, because right. it's in all these different multiverses. I think everything everywhere to, you know, win six or seven awards that maybe that's like a parlay bet or something. You got, I mean, that's, that's a Bill Simmons question, but <laughs> Craig, do they do parlays on Oscar betting? I don't know the answer to that. That's a great question. I don't think they would allow that otherwise everybody would just take all the favorites and lump them all together but it sounds like michael what we should do is if you want great odds we should just you should sprinkle money on top gun best picture that's 29 to 1 you should sprinkle money on stephanie sue best supporting that's 34 to 1 and you should sprinkle money on colin farrell the 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 best odds of the three-headed horse of best actor he's 14 to 1 
Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Just kind of spread the wealth. You'll do your key bet over in supporting actor. Like again, I don't, I don't bet. Um, I came on here just as an artist and a lover. Uh, sure. but, yes. um, Absolutely. But, um, yes. But I think to somebody who does bet, you know, you definitely could. Uh, yeah, you can spread the wealth around, and there's enough locks, and you could, you could do well. I don't know. I, I'm a favorite guy. I want, I want to put even if the odds are not great, I want to put money on the favorites that I am confident. Are going to well, win. Who are your confident picks for Sunday night? Everything, everywhere. Yeah, and and supporting actor for Quan. Um, and but you're going to have to lay so much money, Matt. If you want to pick everything, everywhere, you're going to need to lay seven bucks to win a dollar. That's okay. I'm okay. <laughs> I, I'm okay with that. I'll, I'll put enough money where I can, you know. But I just want to feel confident. I don't want any more stress in my life. I think arguably that's more stressful because you're going to be panicking that <laughs> Banshee's of Inishirin might slide in and 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 ruin your mortgage. It's <laughs> a good point. Do you know the Academy doesn't have any rules against betting on the Oscars, right? I like Kimmel, no clue. Kimmel was on Bill's show last year talking about how he made money on Coda. And oh, yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. he's hosting the show this year. No, I mean, I assume betting on the Oscars is no different than now betting on sports. I mean, it's a it's a legal thing. I think there'd be something weird, you know, a la like Babe Ruth or whatever. It'd be weird if all of a sudden we found out that like Tom Cruise was like laid a bunch of money on Top Gun, but or, he would not right. need to do that. So, well, uh, that wouldn't be that weird. It'd be would be weirder if like he was not campaigning for Oscars and then he yeah. was secretly also betting all his money on everything everywhere. <laughs> Yeah, that's <laughs> taking his this. own movie in order to win money. <laughs> well, that's also what's interesting about this season is that everybody is campaigning. I mean, Butler is campaigning with a capital C. Tom Cruise has been in L.A. for like two weeks. Like, you know, I wasn't sure, you know, when you and I had lunch, like, oh, is Tom Cruise going to come? Like, he's coming. And I will say again, and I could be wrong. I have to think that he like presents best picture or something. I know that he's in another movie that's happened before where somebody in a best picture nominee has presented to a different winner. I just feel like Tom Cruise is like the president of Hollywood right now in light of this crazy year. You can, I got to think he's going to do something in the show. I think they are going to deploy him for best actress because as we know, they do not have will, they do not have will Smith to that's present that and they need a big name, big star power. He's that. So yeah, that's my prediction for that. Yeah. Um, all right. Thank you very much, Michael Lasker, for coming on the show. Thank you. Total pleasure. Talk to you later. Take care. All right. We are back with the call sheet. Craig, you going to watch the Oscars? Absolutely. I feel like, it, I mean, if I, I was going to as a fan and now it's part of my job. I know. I was going to say it's kind of part of your job to do that. Um, just like it is part of my job to attend the Oscars. I will be there. Um, I'm hoping it won't be like last year where I immediately exited the auditorium and had to do an emergency podcast about the Will Smith nonsense. But mm. uh, that, uh, that, that was quite a different Oscars than I've experienced in the past. I think this is going to be a stronger year. The, the, the movies this year compared to last year are much more popular and mainstream. Right. So let's look at that. So uh, the prediction today is about the Oscar ratings. And I, in the past, I've made some predictions on this and I've done okay. Last year's number was 16.6 million, which was up from the year before, which was the pandemic train station Oscars that we'll, we don't ever talk about because they're so embarrassing. But the year before that, the 2020 Oscars, they actually got to 23 million, 23.6. And my prediction 
is I don't think this year will quite get there, but I do think this year will increase from last year. And my prediction is 19 million viewers for the Oscars. I think that's a fair assessment. I mean, if you look at last year, I mean, Coda obviously won. That was a movie that was on streaming that not a lot of people saw. You had things like Belfast, Drive My Car, Don't Look Up, King Richard, Dune, Licorice Pizza. Now it's like Top Gun, Everything Everywhere All It's all Top Gun. a huge hit. Top Gun is a massive hit and it being nominated i think will draw some people in the, the academy is smartly leaning into that in the promos with kimmel uh i think avatar being nominated is probably a help as well everything I mean, everywhere steven spielberg movie you have yeah avatar you have an elvis film yeah. kate blanchett's nominated yeah i think that there is enough for them you know they can say that rihanna will be performing and gaga will be there so like i think that that's enough also, I think there's something to be said that this is the first Oscar after the slap, which I think could kind of garner more interest to kind of drum up anticipation. Oh, is somebody going to say something? Could anything happen? I know. They should have put it in the promos. Like, last year, a dude got punched on stage. What will happen this year? <laughs> I know they're not going to do that, but it would have been amazing. Um, yeah, I, I think, it, I mean, do you think I should be going any, even higher? I mean, before 2019, or before 2020, the 2019 show had almost 30 million viewers. And that's more the average on, you know, on the Oscars from the 2010s and even before that. It's cratered in recent years because of the streaming issue, because they're not including streaming. That's not getting any easier, right? More people are cutting the cord. They are. But, you know, we still see huge numbers for these tentpole things like the Super Bowl and some of these others that can still draw an audience. But, yeah, I mean, people just aren't looking. There's no casual viewers where you're just like, oh, let me just turn on the TV or they're fewer than there used to be. If Tom Cruise can save movies, he can save the Oscars, too. <laughs> I know. He will be on stage, so you got to watch for that. Uh, and if Kimmel does a, a Cruise joke, I, I, I know he's probably being pressured not to because they don't want to embarrass Cruise. But if there is a, just one awesome Cruise Scientology joke, that's all I'm asking for. Did you see Cruise on Kimmel? No. Kimmel was doing this bit where he was running through all of these stunts and asking whether or not Tom Cruise would do them. And he was saying, you know, jump from one plane to another. And Tom Cruise is kind of earnestly answering like, yeah, I would do that. No, I wouldn't do that. The last joke Kimmel says is, would you run with scissors? And Cruise, it completely goes over Cruise's head. And he goes, what? Run with scissors? I mean, yeah, doesn't everybody do that? Of course, yeah, I, I would run with scissors. And it was like the most bizarre, like he had no idea what comedy was at that moment. That's because Tom Cruise does not live in the real world. <laughs> like, I, I, I bet Tom Cruise doesn't even know what Facebook is. And, or, you know, he just doesn't, like, think about that guy's life. He is shuttled from one place to another in his little bubble. He doesn't have access to the internet. He doesn't probably have a phone. Like, this is just a guy who is a purebred, 100% movie star. That is it. That is his life. And he, it's the life he's chosen, and he enjoys it. I Go watch that clip. It's it's worth it. It's funny. All right. Uh, all right. That's it for the show. I want to thank my guest, Michael Lasker. I want to thank producer Craig Holbeck. And I want to thank you. We'll see you tomorrow. 